Welcome to Anchor Point, where we believe that the next 30 minutes could change your life forever. So join us to consider the greatest message ever heard, the good news of the gospel, as well as sound scriptural teaching for believers, all based on the Word of God, the anchor for our souls. Last week, we took a look at the trustworthiness of the Bible. Is the Bible true? We found that it passed the test of unity, prophecy, durability, accuracy, and relevance. If you missed last week's message, you may want to check it out online or contact us for your own free copy. In this week's broadcast, speaker Eugene Higgins continues with this topic, looking more closely at the author of the Bible, God himself. He looks at the Bible's unique power to convict the soul, to save the soul, and to give comfort and assurance to all who trust in it. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12 says that the Word of God is living and powerful and able to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. It reaches into the inmost heart of our being. It convicts. It saves. Maybe in reading the Bible you've discovered this for yourself. How precious is this book? Mr. Higgins' discussion of it today begins with a few of his points from part one of last week's message. Psalm 19 and verse 7. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Conversion and wisdom coming from God's word. Now into the New Testament, please. The Gospel of John chapter 5, and we'll be reading... The words of the Lord Jesus in this verse, John chapter 5 and verse 24. Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. One more reading, please, in the book of Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. Hebrews 4 and verse 12, for the word of God is quick. That is the old English word for living. The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Tonight's subject is to look at the question and hopefully answer the question, is the Bible true? Is the Bible reliable? Can you really trust the Bible? Peter is the one who tells us that the Bible is a light that's shining in a dark place. And he says that we would be wise to take heed to it and to follow its light because it is the only reliable light that we have respecting a number of overwhelmingly important issues, five of which are perhaps the most important things you will ever consider. God, Christ, the human condition, salvation, and the future. The first is what we read from Psalm 19 and verse 7, and I want to speak about the perfect word of God, that the word of God is perfect, that it is inspired from God, that it comes from God. In Genesis chapter 2, when God formed Adam out of the dust of the ground, here he was, nothing more than an inanimate object of clay, a statue, if you will, a sculpture, no breathing, no moving, no thinking, no functioning of the body. But it says that God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of life, that he imparted spirit and soul to Adam, and that Adam became a living being. But when you come to the Bible, it doesn't say that God breathed into the Bible, that men and women wrote what they wrote, and then God breathed into it, 
and gave it life, but it rather is that the Bible is God's breath, that it has come from God. And with what respect we should be approaching a book like that. I remember reading about George Whitfield when he was preaching in Scotland. It so greatly encouraged him and touched his heart because the, the page is turning. When he would announce a verse, the 10,000 or so people listening to him, when they would turn the pages of Scripture, it sounded like the wind blowing through the leaves in the forest, the noise being made, because everyone had a Bible, and everyone was intent to find out what the Bible said and was carefully listening to what he said. Because it is when you come to this book that you can learn things about God that are not easily inferred from creation. I might look at the vastness of creation and infer from that that this planet with its anthropic coincidence, as we noticed the other night, with its ability to sustain life must indicate that there was a loving creator, a gracious creator. I could infer that. But really, creation would tell me something about his wisdom and his power. And you never use this word more properly than when you use it about God, his awesome nature that he fills this universe, that, that he could make a universe of such massive, inconceivable distance and breadth, that he must be an awesome being. But it is when you come to the Bible that you learn what God is like. You learn that God is a God of holiness, that he is a being who cannot sin, who loves righteousness, and who hates iniquity. It's when you come to the Bible that we learn about his heart, that we learn that he loves every human being, that while we stamp importance on people based on how far they've gone in education or how much money they have earned or their prowess or ability, can he shoot a basketball well? Can he throw a football far? Can he skate well and shoot a puck into the net with capability and skill? Well, we have so many artificial means and methods and criteria for judging how valuable a person is. God says every human being, every human being is of infinite, and equal worth. No matter who you are, no matter what you have done, God loves you. And that what God wants is that you will spend eternity with him when life here is done. When you die and breathe your last, that you will be with him forever. That is what God wants. How we should respect this book. You know, in July of 2004, the uh, people of Renanga, which is a very small remote island in the Solomon Island chain, they read the words of the Lord Jesus for the first time in their own language. The arrival of the New Testament in Lunga, the local language, was the result of 20 years of effort. And when the finished copies were available finally to the people, and they were holding in their hand the written word of God, one man said, today, today, God has arrived in Rananga. It was just a book, see? Today, God has arrived in Rananga. No, they weren't worshiping the book as God, but they had God's word. And God has given you a tremendous treasure. I would plead with you not to ignore it or neglect it because it's in his word that you'll find out what he thinks about you and how much he loves you and what he has done for you. Because the Bible is not only inspired by God, it is inerrant and infallible. It is error-free in their original transmission. In fact, there are back-to-back -back verses in our Bible. Proverbs chapter 30, verses 5 and verse 6. Listen to what we can learn from them. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 5 tells us that no corrections are needed. No corrections are needed. He says, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. The next verse tells us that no deletions or additions are required because he goes on to say, don't add to his words. Don't add to what God says. Lest he reprove thee and you be found a liar. When you're reading the word of God, when you're reading the Bible, you are listening to what God has to say to you. It is a letter from God to you. I love the way 
James Packer put it when he said that when it comes to the Bible, you're reading the Bible, the Bible, the Bible is God preaching. You're kind enough that you're listening to my words tonight. When you read the Bible, we're listening to what God has to say. And we're getting an insight into God's mind and God's heart because it is inerrant. But it is invaluable. The impact of the Bible on a human being who accepts it is profound. That's why I read Psalm 19 and verse 7, because I just want you to think for a few minutes about these two things and what the Bible could do for you tonight. It converts the soul. It takes a person who's heading in the wrong direction and it can turn them around. The Lord Jesus is the one who told us that we are on the broad way until we're saved, until we're converted, that we're on the wrong road. We're heading in the wrong direction. We're traveling on the broad way. There's a lot of room on the broad way. That's the whole idea, isn't it? There are many, many people and there's room for all sorts of diversions and all sorts of sin and all sorts of evil and wickedness. It's the broad road. And there's enough on that broad road to preoccupy a person so that he hardly ever stops to realize that he's on the wrong road. I will never forget the night when I found out I was wrong. I was on the wrong road. What an awakening that was. What a shock to suddenly find out something that I should have known long before or should have faced long before. I am on the wrong road to eternity. If I die the way I am tonight, I will perish. I will never be in heaven. I will never be with God. My sins will take me down into eternal judgment. Now, our need for conversion stems from the fact that we're on the wrong course, that we are lost, that we're on that broad way, that its end is destruction. I think that some of the folks who are here would recognize the name of an actress, Jennifer Beale. She talked about her fascination with the afterlife being something that was hers long before she became an actress. Let me give you her words. This is certainly something I've been thinking about ever since I was a kid. and just was always really interested in what I perceived as this mystery that I wanted answers to. At a very young age, I was reading the Bible every night. You know, sometimes you think these people know nothing about the Bible or have never been touched by a Bible. It's like Liam Neeson saying that he used to sneak into the back of Mr. Paisley's meetings and listen to him preach. And he learned presentation from listening to Ian Paisley thundering out the gospel. Well, here's Jennifer Beale. I was reading the Bible every night and I knew maybe, now listen, I knew maybe somewhere in that book was the answer to this question, not only of what happens when we die, but who is God? And what is this existence that happens in between the in-breath and the out-breath? This book is the book that can assure you that you will never be in hell. Does that interest you? This book is the book that can tell you how you can have everlasting life. Does that interest you? This book is the book that can tell you how your sins can be washed away and the chains that have held you by habits and wickedness, perhaps for decades, that those chains can be snapped tonight and you could be set free. You could be emancipated. You could be liberated and get your first taste of what real life is. It is this book, this book that can point you to the Lord Jesus. And he is the one who said, it's true. It's true. I'm saying to you, he that hears my word, my word, and believes God that sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from death to life. If you would like to have everlasting life, if you would like to know that you will never stand before God in the judgment, if you would like to be taken from that wrong road to Broadway and translated onto that narrow way, from death to life, then God has a message for you. He's written it in his book. It's called the gospel. And he wants you to hear that tonight so that you will trust him and be saved. Do you notice what else Psalm 19 and 7 tells us? It confers wisdom. You know, when I was reading that today, 
It reminded me of the words of the angel to Zechariah in the New Testament. Do you know what the angel said? The angel referred to the wisdom of the just. The wisdom of the just. And the word that the angel used in the Greek has the idea of practical knowledge. Practical knowledge. What we would call prudence. So when you come to the book of Proverbs, you know what you find out about prudence? That the prudent man will listen to correction. A fool won't listen to correction. If you corrected somebody, much might depend on how you do it, but if you correct somebody, if he's wise, he'll take the correction. I'll say, well, that's good. I'll learn from that. Whereas a fool feels umbrage and is offended and begins to think of himself, well, you have no business correcting me. So a prudent man hears where he is wrong and he listens to it. And all around you tonight in this meeting, there are people who listened to God when he told them from his word that they were wrong. He told them that they had sinned, that they would perish, that they would lose their soul, that they needed to be saved. And instead of growing angry with God, they were wise enough to agree with God and seek a remedy for that sin. Do you know the book of Proverbs tells us that a wise person, a prudent person, looks ahead. He sees the disaster that might be coming and he takes steps to avoid it. The prudent man foresees the evil and he hides himself. I don't know if they still do this, but you know, as part of the British coronation ceremony, when a new king or queen is coronated, the archbishop presents to that new monarch a book. He hands the king or queen a book, at least he used to. And the archbishop then would say, quote, we present you with this book, the most valuable thing the world affords. This is wisdom. Got that? We present you with this book, the most valuable thing the world affords. This is wisdom. And then hands the king or queen a Bible. This is wisdom. The king has to rule. I wish I could put it in your hand tonight because it is wisdom. And it will tell you how you can be saved from the disaster of dying in your sins and losing your soul forever. It is imperishable. It outlasts all celestial glory and durability. The Lord Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will not pass away. It outlasts all terrestrial glory and authority. Peter said the glory of man is like grass. It withers, it fades away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. The word of our God will stand forever. Please understand that if you follow a reliable and dependable guide, you'll get to the right place. If you follow a false guide or a bad map or wrong directions, you will end in the wrong place. The wisest course you could take, the wisdom of the just, would be to listen to what God says. You follow the wrong advice. You listen to the wrong thing. And it'll lead you to disaster. You listen to God. You exercise the wisdom of the just. You listen to God and follow what he says. And the Lord Jesus says, you will end up in heaven and you will have eternal life. He that hears my word and believes God that sent me has everlasting life. Let me close by telling you that the Bible is powerful. We read that, didn't we? It is living and it is powerful. It brings salvation. The Bible is what conveys and still does so. The message of the gospel telling what Christ has accomplished for guilty sinners. If I didn't have a Bible, how would I know that Jesus died for me? If I didn't have a Bible, how would I know that on that cross, he suffered for my sins so that I would not have to suffer in hell for those sins? How would I know that? It's the Bible that conveyed that information to me. That's one reason why I love the Bible, because I found the greatest truth in all my life here in this book. And it is the Bible that gives assurance. It is by the word of God that a human being can have the assurance that she 
or he is saved. Not by feelings, not by self-confidence, not by positive reinforcement. It is by the Bible. I could tell you tonight the joy that I have as a Christian. I could tell you how thankful I am I am saved. I can tell you the times that God has given me joy and happiness in my life. But you must understand that when it comes to my knowing that I am saved, when it comes to a person being sure he is saved, we have to state and restate. We have to affirm and reaffirm. The only way I know I'm saved is this book tells me. My assurance, my hope of going to heaven is based on what this book says. So very simply, I have staked my entire eternity on the reliability of this book. And I would say to you, you would be wise to do the same because it is this book that will give you the assurance of salvation. It supplies direction. Ours is a bewildering world of uncertainty and danger. But those here who are in high school, you probably have already, and if not very soon, you'll be involved with a guidance counselor. And this counselor will try and help you through these difficult times where you choose what college you're going to go to or what a vocational school if you're going to go there or just what you're going to do, a guidance counselor. The best guidance counselor a human being can have is God's word. Daniel, if he's the man who wrote Psalm 119, he said, I I take God's word as my counselors. Where I get my wisdom from is God's word. Let me just, as quick as I can, read you the conversion of a young woman I met some time ago. And this is what she wrote. I was saved in August of 2011. For as long as I can remember, I wanted to be saved. I can remember trying to understand salvation as a child and not being able to grasp the concept of believing. Often I would lie awake in bed and, quote, believe as hard as I possibly could. Then I would fall asleep thinking that I had believed hard enough. I'm thankful that God never let me fully believe that I was saved for eternity after any of those episodes. One thing that really scared me as a child was the coming of the Lord, the rapture. I can remember being in school, not being able to focus in class, pleading with God to save me. I prayed that he would not give up on me until I had real salvation. As I came to realize my problem, it was that I did not look to Christ for salvation. I was focused on my level and sincerity of belief. But I can remember the moment I realized that Christ paid for my sins regardless of what I thought of him. Got that? Regardless of what I thought of him or his death on the cross, that the work was done. There was nothing on my part. There is nothing on my part that I could or can ever do to save myself that it was insulting to God that I thought I could play a role in my eternal security because the work that Christ accomplished on the cross is far greater than anything my feeble self could ever think of. She said eventually, verses like John 5 and 24, Romans 10 and 9, Acts 16 and 31, 1 Timothy 1 and 15, and many more assured me from the Bible of my salvation. When I had doubts, I read these verses and I told God, okay, God, it's right here in the Bible. I have to trust you because if you say believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, then that's a promise. That's a promise that I know you will keep. That's a promise that I know you will keep. I hope you'll listen to God's word. I hope you'll trust God's word. I hope you'll trust the Lord Jesus because he says if you hear his word and you believe what God says is true, he will give you everlasting life. Yes, the Bible's accurate and reliable message brings us face-to-face with its main theme, the Lord Jesus Christ, God's way of salvation. It tells us the old, old story of Jesus and his love. It tells us of a Savior who came to save us from our sins. It is filled with many precious promises that God wants you to believe, the promise of eternal life to all who will trust his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ.
If you've never read the Bible, start today, won't you? Come to it with an honest heart. Read the Gospels. Ask the Lord to reveal to you who Christ really is, why He came. Maybe you will find the Savior your soul has been longing for. God wants you to. And He wants you to know that He loves you. He wants you to trust in Him. If this or any of our Bible messages here at Anchor Point has made you aware of God's interest in you, or if you would like some literature that would help you understand these important truths, why don't you drop us a line at anchorpointradio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. We're glad you were able to join us at Anchor Point today. Anchor Point is sponsored by believers in Christ who are meeting at various gospel halls. Each of these Christian assemblies holds gospel services every Sunday, as well as other meetings such as regular prayer and Bible studies throughout the week. If you've been challenged by today's message and would like to know more about the truth of the gospel or of gathering unto the name of the Lord Jesus Christ following New Testament principles, take a look at our Anchor Point website at anchorpointradio.com. There you will find more information as well as the location, programs, and meeting schedules for the gathering center nearest you. Our Anchor Point messages are also available for listening and download at anchorpointradio.com. My name is Glenn Todd. Thank you once again for listening, and we invite you to join us again next week at the same time for Anchor Point, where we believe that Christ alone is the anchor for the soul.